daughter who's a teenager just having her see her mom kind of go through this process too and hopefully that motivates her to think and and believe that she can do anything that she puts her mind to and I think that's kind of what motivates me as well. So today we're chatting with Georgia Eaton. Hopefully I pronounced that the right way. She's the founder of Got Gophers and today we are going to be talking about the process of starting a pest control company from the ground up and speaking about several of the facets of a pest control company and hopefully helping those who are wanting to pull the trigger know exactly what they have to do. So first and foremost, Georgia, just wanted to thank you for joining me. I think you have an interesting story and background. And so if you could start just by telling us a little bit about your past career, how long you've been out on your own, and anything that you can tell us about the size or the growth of your company. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. So I started in the pest control company back in 2013, I believe. I was initially hired on as the office girl, I guess you could say. And as the year went on, I think the owner of the company grew less interested, I should say, and decided to just continuously give me more of the responsibility of the growing company. So when I first started with him, he had about 200 to 250 customers. And then as the year progressed, we grew significantly, I would say to about 500. And then as the time went on over the next two years, I began taking over the scheduling, the billing, all the interaction with the customer, everything was set up through me. So I was essentially running the entire company after about two years being there. We grew in that company. When I first started, we had about four guys out in the field. And within a short period of time, we got to 12 guys. I think the second year I was there and we continuously grew. I would say from the almost six years that I was there, I worked my way up from being the office girl and then became VP of operations. And I did that the last two and a half years that I was with the company. And then we grew from four guys to about 22, 23 when I was there in my final year. And the sales there went from about 250,000 when I first started to 3 million when I, when I left over 3 million we were pulling in. And so I decided to part ways there when, you know, the owner I think was wanting to go in a different direction and become a little bit more corporate. But I think we were able to grow so quickly when I was there because of the special touches we were doing, the interaction with the customer, just being available when they needed and kind of putting them first. So kind of all that was going out the window and the owner basically told me I could go with his vision or he was going to kind of let me go. So I decided at that point to pull the trigger and start my own company and kind of just take off from where I had left off kind of following the same rules I had implemented going into that company and kind of just starting it out on my own and seeing where it would take us. Gotcha. Yeah. So do you think, let's say the owner said, Hey, you know what? We need a vision for the company. I don't want it to be mine. I want it to be ours. Georgia, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts about this? Do you think you'd still be there? Absolutely. Yes. I think we started out that way and that's what made the company so great as he kind of basically told me, this is exactly what I want. Do it how you think it needs to be done. And I was able to to do that and grow the company so quickly and so well. I mean, from the time I was there to the time I left, we had about 
close to 100 five-star Yelp reviews and never a bad one. So I think somewhere we lost sight. I think I was more focused on the business and I was kind of throwing out my ideas and what used to be, oh, this is so fantastic, all of a sudden became, no, it's not my idea. So I think he had his own vision at that point and kind of just really wanted to follow that instead of kind of talking to the staff that was there and seeing what we had to say. I think he had an idea and just kind of took it and ran with it. Gotcha. I mean, looking back, he almost did you a favor, right? I mean, if he wasn't like that, Mm -hmm. then you might not have started your company, right? Exactly. Yeah. My intention was never to start my own company. I think towards the last year I was there, I I knew that I could do it because I had been essentially running the whole business on my own. And when I say on my own, I mean, literally on my own, there was nobody to help me. We had a book of business of about close to 2000 customers at that point that I was managing and managing quite well. So I was very content in staying and continuing to grow his business. But I think when I realized it had become what he always told me was more of a power struggle. I had a vision that I thought was working very well. And I was like, why would you try to fix something that isn't broken? Like we're doing well, everybody was making more money than we ever had. And I think something for him wasn't clicking. I don't know what it was. Maybe he wanted to get more involved in the day-to-day. And I was giving my opinion. And I think it was easy for me to give my opinion because I was there every day running the business and our techs, the same thing. We were there every day and he kind of popped in and out when he wanted to, which was totally fine. But I just couldn't understand why, if everything was so perfect, would you want to change everything? And so that's kind of where I was completely kind of caught off guard and kind of was given an ultimatum on how I wanted to handle, you know, what he was deciding to do. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you get to this point where you're like, Hey, I don't necessarily agree with his vision. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do my own thing. So from the point that you realized, Hey, it's time to the, to the time that you actually opened the doors of your new company. How much time was that? To be honest with you, I think I left in February 5th, 2019. And my company was launched March 4th, 2019. So we literally like a month later, I had already kind of been preparing. I knew something wasn't quite right where we used to communicate all the time. Things had changed. Like I had not heard from him. I was finding out things going on in the company through our texts, through our customers. And I was super confused. So I had a feeling that that Maybe I was he was looking to replace me, which essentially I found out the day that I left that that was what was happening. He had hired somebody to essentially take over my role and just continue to kind of keep me maybe as the office kind of staff running everything, but reporting to somebody new, which in my opinion was difficult because I was the VP of operations. So I, he basically told me, you can train your new boss or you can go your own way. And I said, you know, I worked my tail off getting the company here and I didn't think it was fair, but I had no choice because it was his company and ultimately his decision. But I told him, I'm not going to train somebody to take over my position. If they're so fantastic, they should know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. So you mm-hmm. did it in about a month. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, that's insane. fast. <laughs> I imagine that month was pretty crazy for you. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. And we had a lot of setbacks as well. I think I just jumped into it fast, not really realizing all the licensing that goes into starting your own business, all the tests that you have to take to have your pest control license. And we kind of launched it ahead of time when I probably should have kind of held back a bit. 
but everything ended up working out super well. And and I should say when I started, I had literally one tech that parted ways with the same company and just believed in in me so much that he was like, I'm with you, like, let's do this. And so we started with one tech back in March, a month after I had left. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to kind of make the leap, you mentioned that there were some setbacks and then specifically you mentioned that there were some issues with licensing mm-hmm. and you're located in California. Correct. And the licensing's difficult there from what I hear. I don't do business yeah. there, but, and so I think it is more difficult in California than some other states, but mm-hmm. I think there's some, we underestimate it in this industry. I made a very similar mistake in in Michigan where I thought I was going to be able to get set up in a day or two and it takes some time. So definitely. Were there any other setbacks? Were there any other hurdles you had to overcome or things that made you think, oh man, maybe I didn't make the right decision? <laughs> so I think I, be honest, I don't think I ever thought that I made the wrong decision. I think for sure I was scared because I was making a pretty good income at the other company. But I definitely had to cash out my 401k that everything we had saved up my husband as well cashed out his to start this business. So I would say definitely going into the first year. And I think with just the growth that we have seen, I didn't anticipate how much money you need upfront. Just because at this point, we're so new that nobody is really going to be willing to give us any lines of credit. So it's taken a lot of help from my mom who is believes in us so much as well that she's helped us like co-sign on vans and do whatever she can to kind of help us keep up with the volume of work that we've been getting over the last year and a half. So I would say that's definitely something if I could do it all over again, I would probably be a little bit more mindful and the spending and how fast we grew and how much actually really went into the cost of starting the business. In this industry, there's there seems to be quite a few questions about startup capital. And Mm -hmm. this is especially true of companies that grow quickly. And it's not just marketing, right? When you're growing Mm -hmm. quickly, marketing is going to be a good chunk of that. But Mm -hmm. you have personnel, right? On a PL, Mm -hmm. your people are what cost the most, or at least they should. And so I think that's a really cool story, though. When people start companies and they take risk, it's super important that they get to a point where there's really no other way, right? You get there and you're like, hey, I cashed out mine and my husband's 401k. Mm-hmm. We've got to make this work, right? My mom is right, helping us right. out. And I've received questions as I've been preparing for this episode. And that's one thing that somebody suggested that I ask, and that is, where did you get the startup capital to be able to put yourself in a position to do this? And so mm-hmm. it sounds like you didn't really have a uncle that was going to foot the bill or, no. you know, didn't hit the lottery <laughs> or whatever. So will you I tell wish. me? A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> will you tell me a little bit about how you guys have grown and how long you've been in business and things like that? 
Yeah. So we started the business March 4th of 2019 with one guy, like I had mentioned. And then it was easier to handle the one guy because, you know, being a pest control company, at least here in California, you've got to have the pest control license. And in order to get that, you have to show proof of workers' comp and liability insurance and auto insurance. So I was able to kind of get all that set up with the money that I had taken out from the 401k. But then we continuously started to grow. So I would say at the end of 2019, we were probably at about five guys at that point. And then we took off after that. So I would say just from January to now, we've hired about seven people. So we've grown significantly. So I would say that's been my biggest fear is like, I know that all of these people are kind of putting their their life in my hand as far as being able to get paid on time. I will be honest, it's been a constant struggle just because with every new hire comes a new car, more insurance for not just the auto, but for the liability for the workers comp, um, you know, the payroll increases. So it's a constant stress, I would say on myself to just make sure that the money is coming in as fast as it can. So we have enough to cover everything because the amount of growth has been insane. But with all those seven people came seven additional cars that we needed. And you know, for me, I think it was trying to get something that was dependable, something that we would have warranty on because we're traveling all over the Bay Area. So I would say from where we were, it was manageable last year. We were not able to advertise until I had my pest control license. And in order, like I said, for me to get that, I had to show proof of all the insurances and everything that we had. So we started in March, but we really weren't able to advertise until about August where we were able to start using Yelp and Google and putting our website up and doing that whole thing. So I would say from last year, August to the end of the year, we grossed about a little over $300,000. This year, we've already surpassed that by double almost. So we've grown significantly. And it's a little bit scary, but I'm kind of just holding on for the ride and seeing where it takes us. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. mean, that's impressive. So I'm just yeah. kind of doing the numbers in my head. Yeah. But you've grossed over or around a million dollars. Since we started, probably somewhere close to there. About this year, we're probably almost about $600,000 this year in yeah, sales. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. This yeah. is going to be your first full year in business. Yes, and yes. you're, you know, a little more than halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. And your gross revenue is probably, I don't know, it's got to be in this already year to date. It's got to be in the 60, 70th percentile of what mm -hmm. most companies will do an entire year. So, yeah. Yeah. and you're in your first full year. Right, exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. It's I not know, easy it's to grow that fast. No, it's not. And it's been a struggle because that's why I just want people to know that like, I almost feel like it's probably easier to grow like slow and steady. I kind of anticipated that maybe we would grow because I will say that I think our customer base was used to a certain way, a certain responsiveness, a certain pricing. And kind of when I left that company, everything kind of changed. And they're like, wait a minute, what happened? So naturally, people were looking for a new company. And I think everybody was like, Oh, my gosh, like, we know you, we know, you're responsive, we know your pricing is fair. And then I think in the first year, I will be honest, I think going into 2019, a lot of people were like, ah, oh, that doesn't seem right that she was doing that. And but I think as the year progressed, people were like, wait a minute, things aren't the same here. Okay, kind of makes sense now. And then I think this is the first year where we've gotten a lot of customers who know us and big accounts, like a lot of the city parks that I used to work with before have all kind of come come on board as well, just because 
you know, the certain type of service that we give. And I think that was kind of missing and they kind of looking for that again. So we got really, really, I would say lucky, blessed, however you want to look at it, that I kind of already had my foot in the door, just being kind of the face of the other company. And everybody kind of knew who I was, at least around the Bay Area. So it really was beneficial to us, but also just a little bit scary just at how fast it all kind of came flooding in this year, especially. Yeah, that's awesome. My Mm -hmm. companies do a lot of door to door, Mm -hmm. which is, it's difficult. There's different layers of difficulty with door to door sales. Mm -hmm. But one of the advantages is there's significant and immediate growth. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about some of your marketing efforts and what you've found and kind of put it in context of when you first started and some of those efforts that paid off early on? for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say we right away connected with Yelp. I still have mixed feelings on that. I don't know if it's beneficial or not. I feel like once you have a certain amount of customers who leave you reviews, you're kind of pretty set as far as that goes. Like You just auto-populate to the top because of the reviews that you're receiving. So I would say right away, we went in with that. And I would say the first year or the first couple of months that I had started using that, I was getting a lot of people reaching out that way via message through Yelp. But then it wasn't until I connected with a company that's been helping us called Bolster. And they really kind of, as far as like running the company, I was could do that with my eyes shut. But as far as the background on advertising and all of that, I had no idea. I didn't know about optimization, about keywords. So I looked for somebody. They were actually referred by one of our customers who was like, hey, these guys might be able to help you out. And then once I hired them, they really just kind of transformed everything for us in the sense of kind of taking over that Google role and helping us kind of get our website revamped. And they were able to kind of help us implement a system where we can send a text message to our satisfied customers after the job is complete so they can go and leave a review for us on Google which has helped us out tremendously. It's kind of helped us climb the ranks here in the Bay Area as far as pest control business. We've been able to kind of move our way up to the top, getting all these reviews that have been generated with them, through them, I would say. And so I feel like that's probably been the most beneficial thing. Another thing that has really worked for us is Nextdoor. I don't know how popular that is around the United States, but we really have been so fortunate that a lot of our customers have left us recommendations on there and then the whole neighborhood seems to call. So I would say that mixed with our kind of our what we've done with Google has been probably our biggest help. And then I would say like word of mouth is everything here. So a lot of friends and landscapers are telling their customers like, hey, call this company, super affordable, super responsive. So if I would say if I had to pick one thing that really helped us, it would be next door, like let your customers speak for you, do a great job. We don't even have to ask them to recommend us on next door. They just go on there because they're so happy with the service. And then it goes from one person to the next person. And then before you know it, your name is kind of mentioned all over the Bay Area. So we've been able to get a lot of work that way as well. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. one thing that I've noticed is that customers that are referred by other customers First of all, those are the best possible leads, right. in my opinion. You cannot get a better lead than a referral. Right, right. Even from a review website like Yelp or Google, mm-hmm. someone's going to trust someone they know more than they trust someone they don't. And exactly. so those leads are so valuable. Mm-hmm. And we've noticed that when someone calls in, they're like, yeah, hey, my neighbor uses you guys and she's happy mm-hmm. with you. 
there's not much you can do to convince them to not use you. And we've noticed that those customers who were referred by other customers, they tend to stay with you longer than the people that referred them, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's quite interesting. So when you talk about Yelp and you're talking about Google and Nextdoor, are you talking about paid advertisement or are you talking about just organic leads? So we've done both. I've tried definitely the paid Yelp ads. I think that's what I did when I first initially started. I was like, oh, the more you pay, the more you get, right? But I think I found as this year has gone on, I have turned off my ads on Yelp just to kind of see. I think there's a lot of misleading information when you're talking to a representative from Yelp, if I'm being quite honest. I think right now we have somewhere around like 50 to somewhere between 50 and maybe 60 five-star Yelp reviews, and they hide half of them. So that was my biggest thing. Like, why am I paying a company who I need you guys to be a voice for our company that's just starting? I need every review I can get is how I look at it. So it really kind of deterred me from using their paid system. The, The minute I turned it off, all of our reviews started popping up more. We'd get more and more. And then I turned it back on again, like before the summer hit and the same thing. Now they're being hidden. So I find it very strange. You'd feel like if you're paying for it, they're going to show them more versus when you turn it off, then it kind of, they end up showing more. So if I had to do it all over again, I probably would turn them off and not pay for Yelp because I feel like the more reviews you get, you're, like I said, organically just climbing to the top on their Yelp system as far as whatever industry you're in. There are times where I just turn it off and on just to kind of see how many leads we actually get using it. And to be honest with you, I think it says like, oh, 5% of your Yelp ads are going towards your customer calls. So it's not like a significant amount. I think organically, we've been able to grow slowly and kind of let our company and our reviews kind of speak for itself. And we don't necessarily have to pay for it. As far as Google, I feel like the same type of thing. I feel like if if you can get the reviews from your customers, you're, you will organically grow. We have paid for it and maybe we'll get a couple leads here and there, but it's not like they're flooding in. And maybe, I don't know if it's just where we live or all the competition that's out there. I know other companies are paying far more than we are. So I would say, I know some people find it super helpful and I feel like I have mixed feelings about it. I would say if you're just starting out, it might be beneficial because you are going to get those those few leads that come in that way. And if you have the finances to turn it up all the way, maybe there there would be a difference. We've been pretty consistent as far as how much we're spending. And I feel like we will get few leads here and there, but it hasn't been a significant increase. Like I would say our referrals have been. Gotcha. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. Google's, Google can be tricky because they have a bidding system, right? Mm -hmm. So you basically bid for position And so if you're willing to pay more to get that top spot for a keyword, then you're going to get more leads, right? Right, right. And so your cost per click is going to go up, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have a better click-through rate. Yeah. So if I said, okay, Georgia, tell me what your number one active marketing lead source for return on investment is, what would you say? I would probably say probably Google I would have to go with just because I know the leads are coming in. I know we're not spending a significant amount of money on it, but I would say we're definitely getting our return plus plus more. And then the fact that they can let you know, hey, this is a Google lead that's coming in before you even answer the phone is beneficial. So I know like, okay, maybe I can charge that customer a little bit more to kind of cover my costs using the Google ads or Google advertisement. So I would say that's probably 
going to be my, where I would say you're going to get your money's worth over Yelp, in my opinion. Gotcha. And so for mm-hmm. somebody that's just starting out, let's say that they they just got their license. They don't even have a technician. It's literally just mm-hmm. them. Would you recommend that they get into these types of online marketing avenues? I would definitely recommend it. It doesn't hurt to have your name out there. I would definitely recommend just getting those five-star reviews if you can, because essentially that's what's really helped us. Having the Yelp account, being able to see our... I'm not exactly sure how the Googling system works, but I know also if you can't afford to pay as much as your competitor is paying, the reviews are going to speak for themselves. So your competitor might be at the top, but you will come in somewhere on that first page if you have a lot of those positive reviews. So I feel like that would be my recommendation, like get the people to speak for you to speak up for your work for to kind of give you that referral, whether it be on Yelp or next door, whether it be on Google, because I feel like that's probably been the most beneficial thing for us is doing a solid job and making sure your customer is happy and letting them kind of do the work for you as far as like leaving you a review anywhere you can. And I feel like organically, the more you get, the more you kind of work your way up to where your competitors may be. So what are some things that you must be better at this than I am, but how are you getting people to refer you, especially without asking them to do so, without incentivizing them? Or what are some tricks or what have you noticed works to get more referrals? So I will be honest with you. I think what sets us apart from a lot of companies is that I essentially live and breathe this. So I think the most important thing is when you're starting out, I feel like it will be very difficult if you are the office person and you are the tech. So I know how to do all the work in the field, but I manage the day-to-day of the office. So there's days where it's slow. There's days where I'm just super busy, but I feel like having a person in the office to be available anytime is what sets us apart from anybody else. If somebody emails me at 11 o'clock at night and I'm awake, I answer just because I feel like, or maybe I lose sight from other owners. I feel, you know, it's a lot more difficult to have too many tasks, too many, too much going on where you're not focusing on the customer. So that's kind of where I feel like we are a little bit different. If a customer calls and they have an issue, like we're there right away. I don't make anybody wait. Like they are priority. And for me, I think I look at it like this customer is what is allowing me to pay my staff. So without them or without them being happy, that's a problem for us. So I tend to just cater to whatever they need and make sure that they're completely happy. And I think that in the end, it pays off because that's how we get those reviews. People are excited to tell their neighbor about us. And they're, if you look at our reviews, it's like Georgia in the office is so great. They're super responsive. And I think, in my opinion, nobody should have to wait 24 hours to hear from somebody when they have like a dire situation or they have like a, a critter or bug issue going on. Like they want that resolved as soon as possible, not when you can get out there weeks down the road or days down the road. So I feel like that is what allows our customers to be so happy to give us a review or to give us a recommendation is the fact that we're we're pretty responsive and we're there as soon as we can get there. And I think also just what I mentioned, just being able to kind of send out just a text message, which is something that we got set up through the company that was helping us out. They're just like, we're going to integrate this into your guys's day to day, you know, send this text message when you're closing out a job. If the customer is happy, they're going to leave you a review. And that's, and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is yeah, they don't I sometimes people don't think about leaving a review. But if it's kind of right there in front of them, we wouldn't do it for 
for Yelp because I know that's not allowed or, or next door. I don't believe I've ever asked for a next door referral. But once people get on that, like, oh, here's a review for Google, they're like, oh, where else can I leave a review? And I think that's kind of how that kind of organically grows and helps us out a lot. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned that it's basically the care that you're taking Mm -hmm. of your customers, right? Mm -hmm. Are you worried with how fast you've been growing that you're going to get to a point where you're not able to offer that same level of care and communication? Sometimes I would say yes. So we are probably, I would say almost a little over 800 customers. So when I was at the previous company, we were about double that. So I know like how much I can take, but my whole goal, I think in growing the company is that I don't want to lose that touch. So I feel like I have a sense of kind of where I'm at and how much I can handle. And I feel like at this point, I have hired somebody to kind of just start helping and kind of seeing the ropes of the business and how I kind of want things done. And I know it's super hard. And I know finding people to kind of carry out your vision. I know I can't do this forever. I know that you know, if I continue to grow my family, I'm not going to be available. So I would say it's always a concern. And I think just being prepared, maybe starting to interview before you really need somebody might just kind of be a good way to get kind of a feeling out for somebody who can maybe kind of carry out the vision that you have. I know it's sometimes it's super difficult to find that. And I feel like as long as I think myself as the owner has a little bit of like still has the control over it, I can kind of manage how things are done. And then I might feel comfortable enough to step out and say, okay, this person is somebody that I trust to handle the day to day if I'm not here. I think everybody's goal, obviously, too, is when you are the owner of your own company, you don't want to be there every day, you don't want to answer the phone every day. And I think maybe that's where I'm a little bit different, because I haven't gotten to that point. Like I genuinely love everything that I do. I love the interaction with the customers. And even, you know, my husband had mentioned, like, what if we have more kids? What if you want to travel? What if all these things like you can't It's not going to be a vacation if you have to bring your work with you, especially if you're busy. So I think it is important to make sure you have somebody that you can delegate tasks to and be able to take a break because it can get overwhelming. It can get stressful. And I think I'm trying to prepare for that as we're growing so quickly, just kind of just have somebody that is available to kind of step in if I have to run to a meeting or if I have to be out at the office for the day. And I think that is important that everybody has somebody like that, that they can kind of trust and be able to take some time off as well. Yeah. So when I started our company, I immediately thought that I was going to have more control over my time. And that was, Mm -hmm. that was something that was super important to me in the beginning was I want to be able to decide what I do with my time, whether that's Mm -hmm. talking with customers or traveling. And so in the beginning, I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to have more time. And I quickly realized that I had less time than when I was working for somebody else. But as time goes on, and now that we're several years into our company, I can be here on a podcast learning about your company, right? I don't need to be answering customer calls. And I think that's one of the greatest things about owning a business. And it doesn't happen right off the bat. It doesn't. I used to think that it did. Mm -hmm. But when you get a couple of years under your belt, you can decide. There are some people, I know some, some guys that have established companies that are still running a route. That's awesome. They don't need to be doing that. That's what they really want to do. Some people never go into the office. They check the financials once a month and 
Well, they reap the rewards, right? But that I think is an awesome aspect Mm -hmm. of being an owner is being able to control your time. And I think as time goes on, it changes. What you want to do with your time changes. I think that's perfectly fine. But it is nice having that control. But the caveat is you don't necessarily have that control in the beginning. You have to earn it. And part of that is learning all aspects of the business. And so one thing that I had a hard time with is I started passing on duties to different individuals that we hired. Because in the beginning, it was just my brother and I, the two founders of the company, and we did it all. And then it didn't take long for us to start making our first few hires. But one thing that shocked me was people don't care about your company as much as you do. Right. I almost took it personally. I'm like, wait, how do you not? I'd see people that it hits five o'clock and they're already logged out, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, their phone's already shut off. And so what are some things that you had to teach yourself in that transition from working for somebody else to doing it for your own company, what are some things that you had to learn? So to be quite honest with you, I feel like when you're working for somebody else, the stress is not necessarily yours. I mean, you take on a certain amount of stress, but you don't have the stress of the company, of the finances, of making sure everybody's paid on time. But as far as the day-to-day, I would say I had been working like how I've been working now for that other company. So as far as like what I needed to do or improve on, essentially nothing has changed because I feel like I had poured my heart and soul into the other company, which is why we had grown so fast and so and so quickly there and with such a positive feedback from our customers that I essentially just took how I was running that company and did the same thing here. And I feel like when you are starting your own business, say you're coming in working for somebody else running your own route and kind of just getting your schedule every day versus coming here and trying to figure it all out yourself. It's a lot. I think that's something now that you know my previous boss is struggling with. Everybody wants to get paid. Nobody wants to do the work is how I look at it. What you said is like spot on. Nobody's going to care about your company like you care about your company. Nobody's going to put in the work that it takes to make a company successful, to have happy customers. Like that is essentially a 24 hour job is how I see it. And if you're not willing to put in that much effort, you might be able to be successful, but you're going to probably piss off a lot of people on the way. People are going to pay you a premium. They expect the work to be that fantastic. They expect the communication to be great. So if you're thinking you can kind of come in and you know go fishing for the day and let your calls go to voicemail when you're starting out, like that's just not how it's going to work. You either have to put in the time and the effort that it takes, which is everything. Like you said, like my life is this. I literally work, you know, the normal nine to five thing. Everybody kind of goes home and I'm still working. Like the schedule has to be done the next day. The jobs have to be inputted for the day. People have to get billed. There's emails to be answered, proposals to write. So it's all of your time. You probably get to a place where, yeah, you can hire somebody to help you out once you've earned it. And if if it takes you a a longer to get there, it's going to be years of, of constant 24 hour work where you're putting in those long days and the goal is to, yeah, to make it be worth it. So you can then have that freedom to be the owner and take the day off and do what you'd like if that's kind of where you go or where you end up. I would say, so yeah, just coming in from already kind of having that work ethic, I think was something super awesome and great because it has helped me to kind of just do the same thing for my own business. But I would say coming in 
and starting kind of from scratch and being in charge of your own company is going to be like long hours, a lot of stress, a lot of financial stress, a lot of just putting in that hard work, like you had said. That's really what you're going to be looking forward to over the, especially that first year, I think. Yeah. So the idea is that I look at my employees a lot like I look at my children, even though a lot of them are significantly older than I am, because (laughs) I want them to be better than I was, right? And so Mm -hmm. all of my managers in my entire company are better at their job than I ever was, which is exactly (laughs) how I want it. Awesome. But Mm -hmm. to get there, they have to respect you, right? It's really tough for you to just hire somebody that's better than you. Mm -hmm. I've learned that the best results come from people that are doing something not just for money, that they're Mm -hmm. really on board with the vision of the company and they believe in it. Right. And so in order for that to happen, you have to get to the point where you're like, okay, I can teach people how to get started and where to go for additional training. And so I think that's an important aspect. It's tough to just be a, a silent owner You can get there, but in the beginning to get quality people and to understand how to manage and motivate them, you have Mm -hmm. to know something about their job. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference when, you know, my customer service manager is telling me about something she experienced and I have a story or I have an experience that's similar because I, I know what it was like. I can relate to it. And so they respect you more. And then on the other hand, you can also manage, right? You know, hey, these are the things they should be doing. This is what a monthly report should look like. These are the numbers that we're looking for. If you don't do it in the beginning, at least for a certain amount of time, it's -hmm. impossible for you to know. Exactly. Plus, I think the story's a lot cooler, right? It's cooler if you're like, yeah, it was just me and my partner in the beginning and nobody else. Mm -hmm. I was doing the (laughs) payroll. I was you know, creating the budgets. I was ordering the product. I was hiring the technicians. We were doing the sale, right? Right. I mean, that's awesome that you're in there. And that's one of the reasons why I thought you would be so interesting to speak to is because you're right in the thick of it. You had a lot of success, but you're right in the thick of it. It's still fresh to Mm -hmm. you. And it's weird because I'm not the type of person that ever gets to the point where I sit back and say, yeah, I made it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to grind, I like trying new things and figuring things out. I like the process. So as you've started your pest control company, what have been some of the biggest struggles for you? I would say probably the number one biggest struggle is the finances, like not being able to get that line of credit or any financial help from really any bank or lender or anything like that. I think just because with growing so fast comes so much supplies that you need, you know, like I had mentioned more insurance, more cars, more gas, more everything. And so essentially when we hire somebody, we kind of have to pay them up front before they bring that work in. So we typically will do like a setup fee up front and then kind of like a end of the month type of thing, or once the job is complete type of thing. So I basically have to put all that upfront cost into this person that's going to be beneficial for the company, but not for maybe a month or two down the road. So I think just with the growth that we've experienced and the amount of money we've had to kind of put up front, it's leaving us pretty much like paycheck to paycheck, if you want to say it that way, just because of the rapid growth. So it's a lot to try to keep up with, can be stressful, but at the same time, 
like the work keeps coming in. And like I had mentioned, I had hired somebody. So she's really kind of just in charge of our invoicing and making sure those invoices get out on time and the payments come in quickly. I I realized pretty early on that because I'm stretched so thin and I have so many hats to wear, like I'm not always on time with the billing and that's just not something that we can lag on. So I think just making sure when you see that you need that extra help. I mean, I want to say, oh, I can do it all. But the truth is like, I I can't and it can get overwhelming. If I want to have family life, I need to get help. So I would feel like that would probably be our biggest struggle is just trying to keep up with the demand and the amount of work that we've been receiving and making sure everybody's has everything that they need as far as supplies and a van and everything that it kind of takes to to get somebody on a route going. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, it's really tempting because you start to see some decent revenue come in, especially in your situation. It's tempting to start pulling some of that out. But one thing that mm-hmm. we found to help us in our success is we're like, hey, we're going to live pretty meagerly the first few years and just pump everything mm-hmm. back into the company. Exactly. And it's just all you're doing really is investing in yourself, right? For future growth. Exactly. Yep. What are some things that you'd attribute your success to growing as fast as you've been able to do in a year, year and a half? I think probably just, like I said, the responsiveness. Every time the phone rings, I try to answer and not let it go to voicemail. I mean, customers are going to call, but if they can't get in touch with you, they will look for somebody who can get out there and do it now. So a lot of feedback I get from our new customers that are finding us, whether it be on Google or Yelp or referrals is that they don't like to wait. They're looking for somebody to come out now. And a lot of times we make those customers priority. And I try to do a 24 hour turnaround and they're like, Oh, this is fantastic. Another company had like a two week waiting list. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I, I know some people need to do that waiting list so they can catch up with the work so they can build out so they can't get that money. And maybe that's a, a better way to go about it. But I would say trying to turn around that work within 24 hours, I feel like has been super helpful for us and allows that customer to be super happy to then go and leave that review and be like, Oh, they came out, you know, within 24 hours. And I think that that's really helpful. I'm not saying that it is the best way to go about it. (laughs) But for us, you know, the day we go out of certain percentages built out. So that has been helpful to us to be able to collect that money every time we kind of go out and do a new job. So I would say that's probably been one of the, the best things that we can do is kind of just make sure that the customer is getting somebody out there within a short period of time. Yeah. I think the value that the customer adds, I mean, we all know that that's where the source of the money is coming from. That's how we're generating our revenue, but especially in a service business, I think people underestimate the long-term value. Mm -hmm. Customers, they have such good information and they're powerful right? Because it's a third party. They can refer you or they could tell people, hey, stay away from that company. That's very powerful. Exactly. They can tell you, hey, your tech, he looked sharp, but I think he was speeding through my neighborhood. Yeah. Right. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, I see a lot in our industry, I feel like there's this general consensus and this doesn't apply to everybody, but it's not about doing what the customer wants. It's kind of about how to handle, right? How to manage. Mm -hmm. I have an upset customer. They don't think I did a good enough job. Like I'm still trying to collect from them. Do I get an attorney? Mm -hmm. And it's like in the early days for us, the number one source of marketing was establishing a baseline of reviews. Mm -hmm. We had Mm -hmm. to get our online presence in order and Mm -hmm. it didn't cost anything in terms of dollars and cents, but it took 
a protocol set up. It took time. It took training with our technicians and our office staff. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. And we do quite a bit of door-to-door, not solely door-to-door marketing, but a lot of what we do is. And mm-hmm. we get a lot of complaints, as you can imagine. And they're complaining for us just doing what we're telling those guys to do, just go mm-hmm. knock on doors. And you know what I mean? That some mm-hmm. people don't like that. And so I actually had a call today, a very, very cool guy. Hey, your guy walked through my, my rose bushes or something and he was upset about it. Didn't want to get anybody in trouble. But for me, it's not just about making that particular customer happy and appeasing him. Okay. It was about going to the sales manager and saying, hey, this is what happened. He's probably tired or whatever, but let's make changes in our company, not just appease that customer. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for us early on, it was it was important that we established kind of this baseline of what customers could expect from us. And mm-hmm. for us, it was a very high level of service. That's one thing I loved about your company is one of the first things I did was I went to online reviews mm-hmm. and you have I think it's 30 or 31 showing reviews or mm-hmm. recommended reviews, I think he calls them. Yeah. That is hard to do. That is hard to do because technicians make mistakes Mm -hmm. and Yelp reviews are hard to get, period. They're hard to get to stick because of their algorithm and how they filter Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been really impressed with, you can tell, there's some companies that say, you know, their mission statement, we just want to do whatever we can for our customers or something Mm -hmm. similar, right? Yeah. And then there's companies that actually follow through on it. And I think in our industry, especially with like the different types of marketing and door-to-door sales and revenue growth and everything, there's so much talk about how many customers did you add. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more important to ask how many customers did you keep? Right. Right? Exactly. And so what are some things that you guys are doing to make sure that you're either keeping current customers or that your customers will call you back. You've mentioned a couple of times about your process and communication sounds like it's really important to you, which Mm -hmm. it's huge. It's, I think it's very underrated how important it is that we talk with our customers and communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's anything in the hiring process that helps you to retain customers or keep them, you know, call you in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think I feel like I've been super fortunate because I've been able to work with my crew now in the past, like we've worked together for years. So I think it's important that you establish like what your goal is for the company, what you expect. And anytime a customer says, oh, so-and-so might not be doing this or so-and-so might be rushing. I just tell them like, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm How else will I know? Your employee isn't going to tell you, oh, by the way, I rushed through. So like, it's important to get that feedback from them and to take it serious. So then you can implement, like you said, just new rules or new ways of doing things that are going to be beneficial to everybody. So I think number one for me is like communication, making sure that they feel like they're being heard and that number two, that they're being taken care of, whatever that need may be. I think for us, we're a little bit unique as well, because I know maybe for spraying or for, you know, that type of pest control, I don't know how quickly, you know, those things need to be addressed, but we typically deal with like critters in the ground, gophers, moles, voles, ground squirrels that are really disrupting people's lawns. So I feel like the turnaround for us is is important because if you wait a week or two, that gopher is going to go from one side of the lawn all the way across and in between and make piles and kind of destroy everybody's perfect landscape here in the Bay Area. 
so I would say like communication that, and then when you're hiring, I feel like it's super important that your goals can be told to your the person that you're interviewing with and that they get a sense of how you want to run your business. I feel like I've done many hiring here and with my previous company, you kind of get a general idea of what you can expect from somebody when you're talking with them. There have been times when you could tell somebody just rolled out of bed versus somebody who kind of prepared and has a resume. And I think the most important thing is like being super friendly, not arguing with the customer and kind of just somebody who is whatever you need me to do. I'm to do it. And I think that's kind of something to look for, something that's extremely important when you're looking for somebody to kind of represent your company. And you know what I mean? And in a positive way. So I think friendly staff, people who know what they're doing can explain the process, sit there and talk to the customer if they need that reassurance. I feel like those are all really key, important things that are going to be needed when you're able to hire somebody. So I feel like too, just being able to communicate in that interview process is going to be a good indication on how well they can communicate with the customer. For sure. So what Mm -hmm. are some sources that you've used or found that help you find good people? You know, I would say probably number one is referrals from your employees. So a lot of times, if you have a really good employee, they have a friend or a cousin, and they can kind of prep them on what you're looking for. And I feel like that's probably the number one way that we have found employees, just kind of referrals based our current employees. We've also looked to Indeed. Craigslist was something we used early on. And I think sometimes you kind of never know who you're going to get when you're on Craigslist, but something like Indeed kind of gives you more in-depth look on somebody's background. They can post their their other jobs that they'd had in the past. Sometimes just looking on LinkedIn, kind of reaching out to somebody that way. But I would say overall, number one, if you can get somebody to refer their friend or relative, that's going to be good because then they can kind of prep them to on essentially what isn't what the job is about, what is expected. And they know how things operate here and they can kind of pass that along. And if feel like they want to make a good impression too on the boss, so they want to recommend somebody that's going to make them look good. Gotcha. Yeah. That seems to be just a common struggle throughout the industry, mm-hmm. especially where we need people to be licensed, either Mm -hmm. bring a license or be in a position where they can pass exams or whatever to become licensed. So Mm -hmm. hiring, especially for fast growth companies is always the top of the list of struggles. Right. When you started your company and even today, what are your sources of motivation? Because I know as owners, we get a lot of the benefits, but we get all of the bad things that happen affect us. Mm-hmm. What's your motivation? What kind of keeps you going, keeps you positive and things like that? You know, I think it's probably a little bit of many things. I would say probably just being like a woman in the industry and doing something that isn't typical, I guess, for most women. I think most pest control companies are probably owned and operated by men. So I think I've gotten a lot of positive feedback that not only is it women owned, but it's also in an industry that's not common for women to be owners in. So I would say that I think just proving to myself that I can do it, you know, that I took the leap of faith and that as long as you put your hard work and effort and know that you're in for a wild ride, like you have bad days, you have good days, I have stressful days where everything goes wrong and somebody blew out a tire and we're late to a customer. And I think just knowing that it is a struggle, it's not a perfect process, but it's your process, it's your stress and you can handle it like how you want. I think just motivation 
to prove to my competitors that like we're here and we're going to make a name for ourselves as well. And we're a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so maybe that and just a little bit of everything. Like I have a daughter who's teenager, just having her see her mom kind of go through this process too. And hopefully that motivates her to think and, and believe that she can do anything that she puts her mind to. And I think that's kind of what motivates me as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people think people start businesses just for money. It's a great perk, right? If you get mm-hmm. things right. Mm-hmm. and But there's a lot of stress and a lot of yeah. issues that make it so I wouldn't do it. If it's just money, like I don't get the professional development. I don't get the challenge. I don't get, you mm-hmm. know, the competition like you were talking about. If I don't mm-hmm. get all of these intangibles, it's not worth it. It's not worth the accidents. Exactly. It's not It's not worth my technician's driving like these terrible situations. So, so let's say there's somebody who's a technician. Okay. He's a technician mm-hmm. for pest control companies, been doing it for five or six years. He's really wanting to pull the trigger on hanging a shingle, doing his own thing. What mm-hmm. books or other sources have helped you in terms of whether it's specific information about organizing a business or just motivation? What types of things would you recommend in terms of sources to help? I would say definitely probably communication with your peers, getting that insight on what you can expect, what you can you can forecast for. I know different areas, especially if you're leaving a pest control company, you also have to think of not upsetting your employer, not upsetting your current employer. I would say, I feel like a lot of guidance has come from people who even customers or coworkers, family, friends, other people in the industry, which I think it's great that we have support, you know, different Facebook pages that we can ask those questions to, because I feel like you have an idea of like, oh yeah, this is a a perfect situation. I'm going to be the boss and the owner and I can just relax and collect all the money. But (laughs) that's just not how it is, especially when you're first starting out. And I think it's super important that you're able, like you had mentioned, to go through all those steps of the struggle, of the stress, of the not knowing to just kind of appreciate once you get to the level where you can sit back and relax. You don't let that get to your head. And I think a lot of times you grow so fast and you're making all this money and you kind of forget about why you're there. And I saw that happen before. And it was heartbreaking to see that like, hey, this was something that we all kind of pulled in together and we did this. And so I think if you're not involved in the day-to-day, that can essentially break you. Like you need to be able to go through all of that in order for you to kind of appreciate the business and what you're doing. I would say there are some books that I would recommend. I have a list here. I'm going to pull it up. Like a startup book, Owner's Manual. I kind of just browsed through and highlighted some important things. It's by Steve Blank and another good book that I was kind of, I have been reading off and on over the last year is Start, Run and Grow, a Successful Small Business. Because I essentially assume that we're going to be a small business, but things can change so fast that, like I said, I'm just kind of holding on and seeing where it takes us. So I'm hopeful that we grow every year. But I would say having good books that you can turn to, to get guidance, to see how other people have been able to grow and kind of manage their, their business as it is growing is super important. So I would say those two books for me have been some of the two that I looked to during this last year. That's awesome. One thing that I've learned is as I read different books and listen to podcasts and involve myself in online groups of PCC owners, Mm-hmm. It's nice to learn stuff. I get excited when I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, 
maybe we should try that. And that's one of my motivations is Mm -hmm. I love improving. I love getting better. And I think those sources and others are great for that. Just getting new ideas and stuff you haven't thought of before. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you had a mentor or a person that you were able to address specific questions with as you got involved in the startup process? I have like a long time friend who happens to be a bookkeeper and she kind of just let me know things to be aware of, things to be cautious of, because that's super important when there's a lot of money coming in and out and you don't know how to classify this or this spending and all that. So I would say as far as that part goes, she's been a really good mentor for me. There are other people who are in the pest control industry who have helped motivate or give me encouragement. But I would say all in all, like for me, like I've been in the business, I've seen the ins and out of the other companies. So for me, I saw what I was able to do there. It's all like people can give you their opinion, but in the end, you have to do what's best for you. I feel like a lot of the feedback that I try to take in and try to implement is from my employees. Like they tell me, hey, this, this, and this isn't working. They're out in the field every day. I'm not. And I always tell them like, you guys know more about this than I do. So if this is what you're saying, yeah, let's try it this way. So I really think it's important that you take, especially if you're somebody who is not in the field every day or having that interaction with the customer every day, I think it's important to take what your employees have to say and really listen to them and let them know that, oh, okay, their opinion as well is really valuable. So I would say definitely as I was starting this process, just having the encouragement of my fellow employees was pretty much everything to me. Like the fact that they believed in this company so much and gave me their input along the way. I mean, ultimately it's your decision on how you run your company, but I would say it's super important to remember the people who've kind of helped you get there and who do the work because they're the ones that are essentially bringing in the money, making sure that customer is happy. That would be my, something that I would recommend is just really listening to your staff as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. next to customers, mm-hmm. staff, especially technicians, they know so much. They're on the front lines. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that customers don't, they don't stay with a company. They stay with a technician. Exactly. But they'll exactly. cancel a company, uh-huh. but they stay with the technician. So true. So true. You're in a unique position for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Most people that are starting pest control companies the majority are technicians. I think that's, right. you know, easy. And then you've got some people on the sell side, mm-hmm. but you have this unique, this admin where mm-hmm. you basically ran a company, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's helped you a lot. That mm-hmm. I think that set you up for success. Um, right. Cause a lot of the questions I ask, you already have the answer for because you were doing it before. Right. I think another unique thing about your situation is that you are female in what is a notorious Mm -hmm. boys club, right? Mm -hmm. And so what Mm -hmm. are some of the challenges that you've seen just being a female business owner in the pest control world? Well, I have to say probably just not being taken serious. You know, I think a lot of times, like you said, it's a kind of like a male dominant world here. And a lot of like those big accounts are ran by males and they see a girl come in and they're like, oh, like what could she possibly know? You know, (laughs) 
But I have to be honest too. I think that we've been so welcomed and I, and there's a lot of like kind of girl power out there that I think just the times are changing and people are so receptive to this being a female owned company that we've gotten so much positive feedback because of that. And the kind of like, oh, this is so awesome that you're doing this type of business and that you're a female that I think maybe if this was happening 20 years ago, I'd be in a different boat. But I feel like overall, I think just sometimes people, there might be males who've been doing this for such a long time that I've encountered that we may lose the job just because I am a female and because our competitors are well known and they're all male. And that has happened where we've lost work, but give it a couple months and somehow they come back and maybe uh, I hear, maybe you know what you're doing, huh? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think it, it all boils down to, yeah, just to being responsive. And I don't think it matters who you are, that people want to know that if they reach out, they're going to hear back from you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, what would Georgia summer 2020 say to Georgia, was it March of 2019? Mm-hmm. I would probably say, hold on for the ride. It's going to be crazy, but you got this. I think that that constant reassurance and reminder to myself that things get crazy. There's good days, there's bad days, but in the end, like you have to believe in yourself and the sky's a limit. So I think that's kind of what I would have told my then struggling self with all these just obstacles that were kind of thrown in our way. And I have to say too, that I think the more successful you are, people are watching. There's always going to be those people that try to throw your company under the bus or throw a wrench in your success. And, and I feel like just being the humble person that you can be and the person that reminds yourself like, Hey, we're going to get through this. I think that's all you can do is just be positive and know that if you put the hard work in. That's awesome. Well, Georgia, it's been a pleasure. I've actually learned so much just hearing your point of view and how you were able to achieve such great success with your company, Got Gophers. I appreciate you doing this podcast with me. Again, our goal is to help those that, you know, are looking to start their company or are in the early stages so that they can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Because I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, Mm -hmm. but what you've done in this industry, I think it's awesome, especially being a female business owner. I mean, hats off to you. That's, That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. I mean, you've created a great company, period. Doesn't matter who you are. And I've just been really impressed with how you're approaching it. There's a lot of people in our industry and every industry that they're doing stuff the wrong way for the wrong reasons. And I'm just glad that I was able to have this chat with you and we're able to have this time to discuss the industry that we love, that we put a lot of our heart and soul into. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it as well. Mm -hmm.